When you have a situation with with the, the blogs out there operating, you know, it, it's it's kind of this gray area. And I think that the bill, you know, and I'm not a sponsor of the bill, and I, I can't speak to the sponsor's intent at this point, but I'm, I'm speculating that, that it's an effort to kind of address that gray area in the law. This is Plausibly Live. Well, good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, wherever you are, whatever you do. A lot of things happening in the world today. Most of them are far beyond our control, you might say. So perhaps it's time we took a pause and thought about life. Thought about the laws of gravity. John Adams. Free speech. That pesky First Amendment thingy. Politics and or the news. Don't touch that dial. Just try to hear me out for a little while. In 1798, President John Adams, then the President of the United States, was struggling. For a guy that was a founder of this country and a framer of this country, he was struggling with the burdens of being president of the United States. And he was not doing a particularly good job of things. And people were not happy with him. And in the broad spectrum of the world, you had the whole issue with, of course, um, the quasi-war with France which he was not handling well. This was not a war. We've talked about this before with with presidential findings and Congress sloughing off on their duties. But it was a conflict. And there was the additional stress and strain of the potential rebellion in France and it was it, could it come here? And there was this divided nation where half of our country looked at France as our firm ally and believer in liberty despite all the crazy crap they were doing and the other half didn't trust the French and didn't want to didn't want to be that they were led by John Adams and they were mishandling the war and criticism was mounting there was grave criticism of the president i laugh i'm sorry i still laugh when any politician, but particularly a president, says, Oh, nobody's ever been picked on like me. <laughs> you almost want to just take them out back and bitch slap them because they're idiots. Literally, tell me you know nothing about American history without saying the words, I don't know anything about American history. John Adams was being ex- excoriated in the press, in public speeches, in the pulpits of America. But he had a pretty strong majority in Congress, and they decided that they were going to do something about this. And so in 1798, they passed a series of laws that were designed to stifle political opposition to the presidency. They essentially made it against the law in the United States of America in 1798. 1791, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 years. Eight years after the passing of the First Amendment, the ratification of the First Amendment. They made it against the law, punishable by prison and fines, to criticize the president, the Congress, the courts, 
or the, the federal officials. Now, the law was seen as a very thinly veiled excuse. The idea here was, oh, we've got to stop potential problems coming from France. We've got to stop potential revolutionary ideas from being introduced. And so we'll only use this law if somebody is, is saying something that's detrimental to the United States. But it was seen by most of the people in the country as a thinly veiled excuse to stifle opposition, politically speaking. And why was it seen that way? Because it was a thinly veiled attempt to stifle political opposition speech. I'm not even sure it was thinly veiled. It was pretty obvious what they were doing. This law became a major bone of contention between the Federalists, the party of John Adams, and the Democrat-Republicans, the party of Thomas Jefferson. The party of Jefferson was more open to French influence and ideas, whereas the party of Adams, the Federalist, was not. And this major bone of contention led to many of the early conflicts, politically speaking, of this nation. Under Washington, we, you know, <laughs> Washington said this is the way it is, and it pretty much was. Congress kind of went along. But, but now all of a sudden you had this situation where we, we don't have that anymore. And this particular law would actually pretty much lead to the defeat of John Adams in the presidential election, which saw Thomas Jefferson elected. And now all of a sudden he's the president of the United States with a Congress in his favor and this whole stupid law that they've all campaigned against and said is, is outrageous, it's unconstitutional, and keep in mind the Supreme Court upheld it. We're going to fix this. We're going to replace these people. We're going to amend the Constitution. We're going to do all these things to fix this. But that never happened. Jefferson won. The Democrat-Republicans won on the idea of protecting freedom of speech and of the press, and then never repealed the law. In, in modern terms, think of it as, as Obamacare. How many times have the Republicans campaigned on the idea of repealing Obamacare? How many opportunities have they had to do it? And they actually had two years where they could have done it. And did they do it? No, they did not. The reason that the law was never repealed, this is my opinion, take it for what it's worth, is that it's a very powerful government tool. The, eye, the, the ability to stifle my opponents, even conceptually, is a very powerful idea. And governments do not like to give up powerful tools, even if they say they disagree with them. And Jefferson said that he disagreed with them. In fact, there's a very famous story about a German baron who was visiting the White House, and he saw newspapers sitting in Jefferson's office. This was primarily during his second term, but uh, the, the, the newspaper artists were, were just horrible. They were just insulting. They were calling the president names, they were, uh, and the baron was just having a fit. How is this allowed? Why is, why is the person who wrote this not in jail? Why aren't they being fined? Why aren't you doing something about these kinds of things being said about you? And we were told that Thomas Jefferson picked up the newspapers, folded them up, handed them to the Baron, put them in his pocket, 
So take these with you. And when you get home and you ever hear somebody say, oh, the Americans don't really believe in freedom of the press, you show them these newspapers and you tell them where you got them. Still, while Jefferson may have ignored the law, while Congress and the courts may have ignored the law, they didn't repeal it. And later, that very same law would be used to imprison American citizens who spoke out against World War I. Now, you could argue, but Dave, Eugene Debs was a socialist. He's a commie. I know. But he was also an American citizen. And subject to the First Amendment. Which by that point, by the way, had been incorporated against the states. We don't even have time to get into all of that. You need to just understand that the First Amendment's protections of speech and press have been incorporated, and they apply to the states every bit as much as they do the federal government. That said, we imprison people, we put them in jail, because they said fighting World War I was a bad idea. We've had lots of discussions about that. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm a historian who's not convinced it was a great idea either. But people who were there thought that it was. And they turned it into an arsenal for democracy. Later, even much later, that same law, which is still on our books today, at least partially, Parts of it have been modified, parts of it have been amended, parts of it have been repealed and replaced. But the general law is still on our books, the Alien and Sedition Act. Parts of that law were used to imprison American citizens who participated in January 6th. It's the same law that Jefferson could have repealed, had his Congress repealed, but didn't. The government will never ever lay down power that it has been given to suppress rights. If it sees a bill, a law, as advantageous to itself to be able to silence opposition in any way, shape, or form, speech or press, it will never repeal that, ever. The courts have... I don't want to say they've been squish about it because they did incorporate freedom of speech. And certainly in the modern times, they have been more reticent to allow government suppression of speech. But neither have they struck that law down. They have not come out and said, yeah, this is not constitutional. And usually the argument is because of public safety. Usually the argument is, well, see, there might be this hypothetical theater where there might be a hypothetical fire. Or there might be a hypothetical situation where if people get riled up, violence may happen. The government is never going to repeal it. They are never going to have it struck down. I guarantee you the 6-3 conservative majority that we're told we have now would not strike it down. Because they all see it as protecting themselves. If people get out of, out of line and start criticizing us too much... We'll just uh, we'll just tamp that down. 
tell everybody it's national security. And once we've done that, well, you know, even Jefferson, the man who won an election, and his Congress that won an election on the basis of repealing and re- and getting rid of this this abomination against freedom of the speech, freedom of the press, didn't do it. Why are we surprised that it's still in effect today? That's the real question, isn't it? Welcome back. It's me, Dave. Plausibly Live, the Dave Bowman Show, on-demand internet radio show. So why am I on about this? Um, Look, I've said this before. I'm going to have t-shirts printed. I really am. Free speech radical, because I am a free speech radical. It's hard for people to understand this when I say this. I personally do not believe that there is any speech that should be banned. There is speech I do not like. There are people there are people who say things that I find horrifyingly offensive, that I find outrageous, that I find wrong. And I can get offended if I want, but in the words of the famous comedian, so what? So I'm offended. BFD. You can get offended by what I say. BFD, I don't care. Because I'm not saying this to to mollify your feelings about things. Free speech is free speech. It's not free speech that that you like. I'm personally not really a fan of the Supreme Court decisions which have put some limits on freedom of speech. Look, I'm not going to sit here and argue about the morality of pornography or fighting words or, you know, public safety. I'm not arguing about the morality of it. I'm not saying that what somebody says is right because they have the freedom to say it. What I'm saying is shouldn't be limited unless it breaks another constitutional principle. If if it can't apply to all of them, then it can't apply to any of them. If your speech is we should do away with jury trials, well... I'm not saying your speech should be silenced, but what I am saying is your speech is wrong. Point and simple. I get the arguments that the Supreme Court has made. I understand the argument about public safety, all those kinds of things, but the, the purient issues, or, you know, purient uh, interests, whatever that means. But whatever the excuse, whatever the reason that somebody uses, Once speech has been limited, it does not come back. It's gone. And here's what infuriates me. You have no idea how mad I was last week. A couple of, well, I'll take that back. A couple of you know how mad I was, but most of you weren't in here. So you don't really know. The GOP, the Republican Party, is supposed to support and defend this vigorously. They keep telling me 
We support and defend the Constitution. For God's sakes, the GOP are the people that want the Constitution read at the beginning of every Congress. I'm fine with that. I think they should. We've seen too many, too many uh, occurrences of GOP representatives, specifically Paul Ryan, who said, and I quote, I didn't know we couldn't do that when asked about something in the Constitution. Didn't understand that you can't pass an ex post facto law. And I railed on the time, at the time on the air. How can someone who is A, a representative elected to Congress, and B, at that point he was running for vice president, how can he not know the job? Yeah, you damn well need to read it. But don't just read it. Believe it. You, the GOP, and let's just caveat this. I'm talking to the GOP. I am not talking to the Democrat Party. Don't care what the Democrat Party... I told Rod yesterday, the Democrat Party isn't asking me for my vote. They're not asking me for my money. For what it's worth, most of what comes out of modern-day Democrat idealism is bunk. But the GOP stands here and tells me that they support and defend the same idea. They support the same things I do, Dave. So you should be on our side. So when I say they from here on, I'm referring to the GOP. You want my money. You want my support. You want my vote. So when you fail to support the very things that I hold sacred, Constitution of the United States, First Amendment, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, when you fail to support those things, I am going to be pissed off. And I say this to you from the bottom of my heart. When you are given the opportunity to defend free speech and freedom of the press, you don't waffle on it. You take that opportunity. You grab it by the nettle, and you passionately and with spirit defend those rights. You should do it with all of them. But you damn well better do it with those two. When you fail to do that, believe me, everybody hearing you hears your failure. And make no mistake about this, and you know who you are. You failed miserably last week. You should be embarrassed. You should be shamed by your failure to support one of the founding ideas of this country, one of the very bricks that we built this nation upon, and one of the founding ideas of this government, freedom of the press. People who opposed the ratification of the Constitution forced through the Bill of Rights to protect that right. And at the end of the day, you either support free speech or you don't. There is no gray area. The solution to bad speech is good speech, period. Virtually every founder and framer of this nation not only believed that, but they said it over and over and over again. And you don't need a staff to look it up for you. You can do a Google search and find it yourself. 
And now you stand there and try to convince me that you know better than they did because it's, uh, it's hard now. Your excuse that today's political discourse is white hot doesn't hold water. Tell me you know nothing about American history without saying, I'm an idiot and I don't know anything about American history. I just told you what happened in 1798. You think you're facing more than John Adams did in 1798? Sad. I say this passion. I say it because I believe it. Failure to defend freedom of speech and freedom of the press is a sin before the Constitution of the United States. It is a sin before our forefathers. It is a sin to every person that sacrificed themselves for this country. And you need to make atonement. You need to make amends. Do it today. Or Get out of whatever legislative body you're in, because you do not belong there. You do not know why you are there. You think you're there to pass a bunch of laws that we don't actually freaking need. And when the moment comes, when the time is ripe to defend one of the foundational beliefs and ideas of this nation, it's not a gray area. You defend it. You support it. Or you don't. And if you don't, what the hell good are you? Don't talk to me about what others do. You took an oath to support and defend the Constitution. You either support and defend the Constitution. First Amendment of the United States Constitution. You either support and defend the idea of free speech and free press, or you don't. There is no gray area period take the time right now tell the people that matter in your life you love them very much you'd miss them if they weren't there so don't pass up those opportunities you don't want to have that regret plausibly live i'm dave bowman and we will see you tomorrow tuesday for dave does history on bill mick live at 0800 eastern time 0500 pacific time live or of course you can get it on demand at plausibly live dot com or the Dave Bowman Show dot com. See you later, everybody. Have a great day. <laughs>